Okay, well, welcome back to a special, special programme today on Haters TV. We're here in the bowels of Wembley Stadium on the eve of the start of the new Premier League season. Not long to wait now with a very special guest. We like to say one of our own, the one and only David Ornstein. And the reason I say one of our own, because David briefly was here, not on our youth training system, but doing a bit of work experience at the start of his career. We really, really wanted to sign you, David. But you had offers from other clubs, I think at the BBC, the Guardian, and you were looking at options. And it reminds me a bit like... You know, the original one of our own Harry Kane, the situation now. Sorry to brief, to jump straight in here, but I mean, <laughs> nice to see you again. Uh, Likewise. If you want to be one of our own, you're always welcome to come back and sign again. Harry Kane, he's one of our own, one of Tottenham's own. Is he staying? Is he going? What's going on with that? Well, I've certainly never been compared to Harry Kane, apart from uh, some of my goal-scoring exploits in five-a-side football back in the day, possibly. Um <sighs> That's the question that Daniel Levy needs to answer because um, he hasn't so far. Uh, Bayern Munich are pushing increasingly hard to sign Harry Kane and um, clearly Kane would be open to the possibility. Uh, I don't think that's in doubt now. The question is, how long do Bayern Munich wait and what ultimately will, will Daniel Levy say? So Bayern Munich seem to have set this deadline and ultimatum that will not have gone down well with Daniel Levy. He's probably the last person you should do that to. Um, uh, people in negotiations don't like to be backed into a corner um, and told what they should or shouldn't do, especially when this is the person in control of Harry Kane's future for 12 more months, at least. Um, and you could say that you know it's a massive gamble and risk of Daniel Levy to let this money slip by the wayside and hold on to Kane in the hope that he'll sign a new contract in his final year because he could easily walk out for free to wherever he wants in the summer of 2024 and or agree a pre-contract agreement with an overseas club from January 2024. Um, the indications are that he does not want to sign a new contract with Spurs but equally the soundings are that he really is impressed by Ange Postacoglu and has enjoyed training. He's got his friend and England teammate James Madison there now. And you never know. Harry Kane has always wanted to succeed with Tottenham. Um, if there's signs of an upturn and their trajectory is positive and they're challenging for Champions League qualification, maybe even trophies next season, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he does extend his stay at Spurs. Um, but I don't think we're encountering that conversation just yet. I think this is all what's going to happen with Bayern Munich. And Daniel Levy seemingly has not had his asking price met. Now, Bayern Munich might be forlorn with that. They might be aghast. You know, a player who's only got one season, nine months, essentially, of football into that last 12 months of contract to go. They've pushed to what? reportedly 80 85 million pounds 100 million euros package maybe even higher with some bonuses um, certainly uh, Daniel Levy wanted more it was 25 million pounds short of of what he wanted at one point um, Bayern seemingly saying take it or leave it um, this is our best and final offer but the suggestions are that that has not been responded to by Daniel Levy and he's he's flown away to to America for some downtime you know he'll always be across his work and he can still and will still be involved with things um, but he'll decide when he wants to and then it's up to Bayern Munich if they're still at the table I suspect when they've come this far that 
in their heart of hearts they're not going to walk away and although Harry Kane seemingly wanted his future solved resolved before the season started and if he started the season at Spurs the word was he's not going to leave after that if the clubs end up coming to an agreement then it's going to be a big question for him to answer and I would suggest the door is not fully closed on anyone's part at this point so I've done a brilliant job of sitting on the fence there for you Nick um I think there's clearly still a very good chance that that this happens. However, as the days tick by and as we speak here now, Harry Kane has started for Tottenham in a friendly against Shakhtar as captain. And that, you sense, may decrease the likelihood of him going. The more and more attached he becomes to this new team that Ange Postacoglu is building. Um, But we've seen enough in football. Never say never. You get messages uh, when these stories come out that ultimatums have been set Daniel Levy hasn't responded to suggest 31st of August that's when he finally relents he gets all his business done before so that prices can't be hiked up um, and then finally he, he sanctions his sale and then it's up to Harry Kane whether he stays or goes so not giving you a firm answer well Levy fended off Manchester City didn't he before quite successfully and, and Kane stayed is it a fact? Can a Premier League clubs such as Tottenham afford not to sell Kane? Can they afford to say goodbye to 80, 90, 100 million pounds and still be fine in the long term? Well, there's the, the literal and the notional sense. Literally, if their finances can survive and they've got their stadium revenues and, and whatnot, then, then yeah, they can uh, get by without the whatever it might be uh, 100 million euros, give or take. Um, uh, but they'll also be looking at, at it in the, in the sort of notional sense of what value does Harry Kane bring to us for his final year? If he helps us qualify for a top four finish, Champions League football, maybe they get a trophy, um, then what price do you put on that? Um, the goals that he will contribute, uh, maybe it is. We're seeing that increasingly in football, and Arsene Wenger once talked about this, or, or more than once, that... Um, clubs place place a greater value on that final 12 months than they do on the potential transfer fee and the riches that come with qualifying for the Champions League, for example, and the associated uplift from sponsorships and um, new partners and things by doing well over the course of a season. Uh, How does somebody like Daniel Levy replace Harry Kane's goals if he's to go? You could sign a, a striker for 80 million euros or pounds now that contributes 10 goals a season. You know, you see the figure that Rasmus Hoyland has mm. gone to Manchester United for. Like, I think he's going to have a great career, but his goal-scoring record doesn't blow you away so far. And so the striker market is already... Um, there's a deficit in supply and demand. There are many more uh, strikers being sought than there are available in the market. And so... You know, Tottenham do have Richarlison there. He's Brazil's number nine. They could bring in some supplementary players. They've got a young boy from Argentina coming in, although that's a project. They've got James Madison. Uh, others may come in in the meantime, and, and they can spend uh, reg- maybe regardless of whether Harry Kane stays or leaves. But, you know, he's been at Tottenham for what? Since the age of nine. He's scored. He's their club record goal scorer. He, he's the hero. It's big big decision for Daniel Levy and he's not going to be railroaded into it by deadlines or ultimatums um, and so you know can they afford um, to not sell him 
maybe Daniel Levy thinks they can. Most of us think, take the money. You know, it's crazy not to back yourself to rebuild and and give Ange Postacoglu the chance to maybe do his work with a bit less pressure. If Harry Kane goes, everybody, most people will understand it's a period of transition. Um, and you know, the scrutiny will always be there, but perhaps it's a bit, a bit less sharp in Harry Kane's absence. Whereas if Harry Kane stays, you not only haven't taken the money, but you, you presumably need to go and win something or at least finish in the top four and, and show real signs of progress. So um, another fence-sitting answer. Can... Daniel Levy afford not to sell him? I think he probably can, but that doesn't mean we're not allowed opinions on what he should do. And I think if it gets to a reasonable price for him now, maybe the sale would be the most sensible thing for all parties. But I do think this story has a, a few legs left to run. Well, that'll keep everyone interested in following you on at The Athletic and on your Twitter feed and so on, I'm sure. Because you must be relentlessly on at the moment, aren't you? Must be, I probably don't get much sleep. But it's funny you should say there's a dearth of strikers because I think mm. so you were talking about your five aside. When we're playing kids in the playground, we always want to score goals. We want to be strikers. Mm. If you just look at football around the world, there are so few. I mean, Arsenal are struggling. We're here you know, at Wembley with Arsenal and Manchester City about to play. Manchester City have Erling Haaland. They were quite happy without a striker before Haaland became available. Arsenal have got Gabriel Jesus injured and seem to be willing to let Balogun go. What can you tell us about the Arsenal situation and their search for a striker, if there even is one, or are they more like to sell rather than recruit? It is a fascinating environment, the striker market. Um, you've got Bayern Munich needing one, whether it be Harry Kane or somebody else like Kolo Mouani. Um, you've got PSG in the market for one, because who knows what's happening with Kylian Mbappe. Kolo Mouani comes into that sort of conversation too. They quite like Harry Kane, but Harry Kane's preference this summer um, would be only to go to Bayern Munich if he's to leave. I don't think he wants to go to PSG this summer or, or anywhere else. Um, uh, you know, what happens at Real Madrid, for example, post-Karim Benzema? Um, do they get Mbappe this summer? Do they get a stopgap? Do they get him in the summer of 2024? Um, the fact that Manchester United paid so much for a prospect in Rasmus Hoyland um, illustrated that sort of dearth of available options uh, then it brings us on to Arsenal so they, they were not to our knowledge in the market for a striker they obviously had Gabriel Jesus Eddie Nketiah um, Balogun the expectation is that he will leave but it's not done yet so let's see what happens um, and they've got auxiliary options like Leandro Trossard like Kai Havertz who was bought in as a sort of with the idea of being a left-sided eight but he can of course play in different positions wide and up top too if needed um and then as you you quite rightly point out Pep Guardiola sort of pioneered at Barcelona then Man City this false nine option where you don't really play a recognized striker I remember Mikel Arteta trying that to pretty uh, unsuccessful um outcome at Villarreal away in the Europa League semi-final a few years ago um it's a it's a really tricky situation I, I'm not aware of Arsenal trying to sign a striker at this moment I think their focus right now is trying to complete this deal for David Rea um at Brentford and with Matt Turner going to Nottingham Forest um I think that will get done sorry to interrupt by the time this goes out, maybe it has already changed and developed. My expectation right now is that they're going to move towards an agreement with Brentford for David Raya. Um, 
they were a bit short of where they needed to be with their initial offer. Brentford, prior to sort of Arsenal stepping forward, were quite clear in wanting, what, £40 million. Arsenal would want to go far lower than that and maybe they'll meet somewhere in the middle. Um, but it's a move that both clubs want to make happen. So you sense then a compromise will be found. It probably depends on Matt Turner exiting and Nottingham Forest um, being uh, the club that wants to take him and closing in on that deal. So, yeah, I expect that whole situation to have uh, resolved itself um, probably start of the week. Mm. Um, and then Arsenal can move on to other considerations. Um, not aware of a striker. I mean, y- you start to think to yourself off the top of your head, if um, Gabriel Jesus is only out for a few weeks, do you just get by with what you had? If if he's going to be out for any longer, which we, we're not aware of, um, but the knee is always unpredictable and he's had knee issues previously, do they look to sort of temporary option alone or... Again, not saying this is information, I'm just hypothesising rather than going out and buying someone because you then have a problem when Gabriel Jesus comes back to fitness. Gabriel Jesus himself hasn't been a prolific goal scorer for Arsenal, which again shows the difficulty of that position. And, you know, expectations change at Arsenal this season. Last season was almost like a bonus. They did better than expected and managed to get back into the Champions League. But... You know, the fans will, will want to see goals. Arsenal will need to score goals and, and they'll hope that you get contribution from all areas. Bakayo Saka, for example, Emile Smith-Rowe being fit and prior to his injury problems was, was scoring goals. Uh, maybe more from midfield too. Um, but it is an interesting position. Right at the start of the summer or even coming into it, you wondered if the, the extra attacking uh, position after the attacking midfield one they were looking at Mason Mount and others ended up being Kai Havertz the more defensive minded midfield position ended up being Declan Rice you were wondering would they go for some backup to Bakayo Saka because maybe they were a bit slim in that position they've got obviously uh, Gabriel Martinelli and Emil Smith-Rowe on the other side but if Saka was to get injured what do you put there there's you know Reese Nelson Fabio Vieira but they're not quite players who have played in that position before um, and so maybe, maybe there is scope for one more attacking option. They did look at João Felix, if you remember, last year as a loan option before he went to Chelsea. Um, doesn't seem particularly settled or, or a happy situation at Atletico Madrid and numerous clubs being linked with him. So no doubt, Arsenal, like all clubs, are surveying the market for the options. Um, and they'll see how... Uh, serious the Jesus problem is uh, whether they can cope in the meantime or whether they need to do something also the evidence of the opening matches of the season like we're preempting things that we don't even know yet maybe they'll do really well and and they'll be able to get by and then Jesus comes back maybe they do quite badly and they have to make a quick decision to step something up they'll have their recruitment lists like every club they'll have their options Arsenal have been really impressive in the market in recent times with Edu and Arteta and their recruitment operation um They've done some surprise work. They've managed to uh, pull off some pretty successful deals. And so I, I'd back them to cope in this situation. And, and the Cronkies seem to be backing them in the market with money and, and, and with support and with freedom to uh, make bold decisions pretty much since they took full ownership of the club in the summer of 2018, I think. Um, and so we've got no reason to believe that they won't finish the window in the shape that they want to be. And, and they needed to do this strengthening and building the squad and trimming the squad and 
uh, attending to it to try and stay on Manchester City's tails. Yeah. And City have seemed to be a, a selling club this summer almost. Um, mm -hmm. What do you anticipate City doing or wanting to do or trying to do before the start of the season? A selling club because clubs do need to sell to balance the financial fair play situation. And it's remiss of me not to have said that the focus for Arsenal is not so much buying now, but it is departures. Um, so heavy investment in Declan Rice, Durian Timber and um, Kai Havertz, and David Raya possibly too. Uh, so they need to get players out. It can't just be spend, spend, spend. And so, you know, Thomas Partey was heavily linked at the start of the window, but he seems happy and settled and Arsenal would want a big fee for him. And increasingly, you feel he might actually be an important part of that midfield with Declan Rice. Um, so what happens with, say, Sambi Lukonga with... Um, Nuno Tavares Kieran Tierney there was a lot of noise around him but it, it seems to have gone quiet following Balogun um, Charlie Patino so there are options for departures but you know they need to start making it happen to to you know cope with that financial fair play situation um, and so Manchester City different situation financially but yeah we have seen departures Gundogan was a choice of his out of contract and had completed it done everything that he could do um, and Riyad Mahrez a similar age bracket a great opportunity the right value for Man City lots of young players going out so they're raising huge money uh, speculation over Kyle Walker Bernardo Silva key players in that squad and so Man City will only let them go if if the price is right and at the moment it's not um, they would love them to stay maybe even on new contracts in the in the case of Bernardo Silva um, so yeah, there's a bit more work to be done. They've reinforced, of course. They they brought in Mateo Kovacic early on, and and now they've got his international teammate Josko Gvardiol, which I think is an absolutely Huge. brilliant signing. Uh, we saw him at the World Cup. You and I, uh, I had the privilege to speak to him out there. Brilliant character. What a player. And um, it seems the sort of fair value actually. Manchester City don't. Um, like to pay over the odds and judging by what RB Leipzig wanted initially they seem to have got him for under that price uh, really good work and let's see if they go in for another midfielder after Gundogan's departure um, uh, they've still got Calvin Phillips there despite a lot of speculation around him I do expect him to stay and fight for his place um, in the coming season they went for Declan Rice so are they still looking in that sort of position um, the wide player to replace Riyad Mahrez they've been linked with loads like Michael Elise um, Karu Matoma I think I was reading about I don't know who the top target is I'm sure they do but it, or maybe they don't because with Man City if they did they normally go out and get them pretty rapidly and we, we haven't seen like concrete suggestions of who they're going for in that wide position but don't forget with Man City they've got players who are only a year into their time there Erling Haaland Julian Alvarez uh, they were good enough in the first year goodness knows what they'll be like in the second year um, they could raise some more money if, if Jao Cancelo leaves if he leaves if, if Kyle Walker leaves they'll need to replace at right back they've not had a, a consistent left back either though they've deputised quite well um, you're going to have a Phil Foden hopefully for them resurgent so 
young players coming through too who are going to be developing to, to their level and the best manager arguably in world football so I don't think we should be shedding tears for Man City they've just won the treble and they're probably going to continue being successful and it's a project to admire and opt to have them as 90.04% favourites to retain the title <laughs> that said Liverpool were favourites mm. this time last season Liverpool have lost Jordan Henderson for them. they've seen they've done some interesting recruiting too haven't they um, yeah where do you see Liverpool sort of, uh, going into the? How do you see Liverpool going into the start of the season? It's been a tough period, real transition. You're seeing that successful Premier League, Champions League winning team broken up. I guess um, started with Sadio Mane departing, and and others have now followed in um, Roberto Firmino, Jordan Henderson, um, Fabinho, and you've got players getting a, a bit older too, but. Uh, Virgil van Dijk taking the captaincy provides some continuity you've still got Mo Salah there uh, they've got young talents developing like uh, Harvey um, Harvey Elliott um, I really like Dominic Soboslai I think that's a fantastic recruit and he's likely to make a big impact Alexis McAllister we've seen a lot of him to be impressed at club and international level already and now let's see what they do in central midfield whether they push to get Romeo Lavia done um, seems to be a bit of a problem around the price point that Southampton are sticking to that 50 million valuation um, are Liverpool going to go all that way when it was something they seemed a bit reluctant to do initially uh, but with some of the market values doing the rounds these days in the Premier League in Saudi Arabia and elsewhere um, then that probably emboldened Southampton to stand firm on, on their valuation he didn't feature in their first game of the championship season so you suspect a move is on the cards but rivaling um, Liverpool maybe Chelsea because they really like Romeo Lavia as well um, and then there will be other options they you know it was well documented they were looking at a player in Brazil um, and Liverpool are, are shrewd recruiters in their own right they've shown that time after time the way they pulled a rabbit out of the hat with Diogo Jota from Wolves and um, Luis Diaz from Porto and so yeah I, I do see them doing a bit more I think they want uh, some uh, reinforcement at central defence see if they can do that before the window shuts uh, definitely another midfielder some people say what about after Lavia An another midfielder I don't know how much is realistic and the other thing is I always fancy Klopp to make Liverpool competitive like with Guardiola write these guys off at your peril but um, it will be tough for Liverpool the sort of money that some clubs are throwing at things and FSG their ownership run a self-sustaining model they're looking for investment they previously had put the club up for sale um, and so they're not just going to throw cash at this project and that puts the pressure on Jurgen Klopp to get Liverpool firing and, and I think he will but it's increasingly difficult when you've got City you've got a resurgent Manchester United you've got Arsenal up there now Tottenham will be trying to get in the mix Newcastle United with Champions League football and their ownership and Eddie Howe doing a great job so not easy at all for Liverpool but I think many clubs would look at their squad and still be quite envious and even when you look at the experiment with Trent Alexander-Arnold coming into midfield as a bit of a number six in his own right Everybody says Liverpool's midfield. They are not short of numbers and options, but they have lost some some leadership in there, some experience. And um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit more surgery in there before the window shuts. I mean, we, we must crack on, but there's so much to talk about, isn't there, at this time of the season. With, yep. you know, we look forward to what's going to unfold. And you're talking about Moises Casado, yeah. as we speak, was left out of Brighton's match on Sunday, mm -hmm. apparently with an injury. Do you mm -hmm. think he is injured? Or, I mean, I'm not saying... 
that Brighton are sort of pulling apart from, but Chelsea are still interested in them, I believe. Is that right? So it's been described as, I think, muscle fatigue or overload from pre-season training. And, and at this moment in time, I've got no reason to doubt that. But there is a situation going on um, in the background, and that's that Chelsea want to sign him. Absolutely. Um, of course, they're looking at other options because they might not get him. And Brighton, a brilliant operation. I've got so much admiration for them, the way that they run that club from Tony Bloom, uh, Paul Barber across the executive team, David Weir as a sporting director, the recruitment operation. Uh, that club is a bit of a model for how things should be run. And um, and the proof is in the pudding. Look at them qualifying for Europe for the first time in their history. Um, Roberto Zerbi, uh, he's a character, isn't he? And, and highly emotional and combustible. And who knows what the future will hold for him, but he's doing a brilliant job there right now. Um, they won't be afraid to lose Moises Caicedo if their valuation is met because Brighton have shown that whoever leaves gets replaced and they seem to do even better. And CISO was such a good signing, one of one of many. Um, but the valuation hasn't been met yet. And I think Chelsea are in this position where uh, they were probably led to believe what figure Caicedo's camp thought that he could be signed for, especially after... Brighton refused to sell him in January with interest from Chelsea and Arsenal uh, and then they put him on a new contract that seemed to be some sort of understanding that if the right price comes in we'll do the deal and Chelsea have been guided by that to bid around the 60, 65, 70, 75 plus add-ons um, of 5 million range um, will they go higher? Will that higher get them to where they need to be? I think they will push a bit more to be honest I think there are going to be more discussions and meetings taking place in these next days and weeks um, there will be a heightened speculation now he has not featured in this friendly um, he wants to move. He wants to join Chelsea. Doesn't seem that personal terms will be any issue at all, which is the case in most of these situations. Um, Brighton have reached an agreement in principle with Ajax to sign Mohamed Kudus, a story I broke, and um, they're, they're close to an agreement on personal terms. That still needs to be sorted. And so they're getting on with their activity. I, I don't think one relates to the other. They're different positions. And you might say, yeah, but the outlay financially on one means that they need to get money back but I think they're in a strong financial position with all the business they've done recently and Tony Bloom won't let Caicedo go unless he gets what he wants and he'll be looking at Declan Rice and um, Enzo Fernandez and Jude Bellingham and saying I see a 22 year old I think um, Moises Caicedo forgive me if I've got his age wrong maybe he's 21 Ecuador international uh, one of the foremost central midfielders in world football um uh, he's going to drive a hard bargain. Um, but I, I don't think Chelsea are going to give up on this one, even if they're you know, pursuing the likes of Tyler Adams and looking at Lavia. Uh, something makes me think that they'll end up getting there with Moises Caicedo, um, but not a guaranteed, of course, because Brighton are um, stubborn so-and-sos, and understandably so. I just just finish off with almost mm. almost like fantasy football because yeah. you know with the Saudi Arabian money coming as well there is nothing is off the table. Yeah, I was reading out today Jurgen Klopp saying they're not interested in a year loan deal for Mbappe. That's something that could happen. I don't know what, what's coming to Mbappe, but also that uh, one of the Saudi sides has targeted Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah mm -hmm. for next summer's transfer window 2024. So this is, I mean, that's not going away, that money and that football out there. And, and Bappe is a fascinating story uh, unravelling there, isn't it? Doesn't surprise me that Saudi went in for Mbappe. Doesn't surprise me that he rejected it because I think he wants to play in the Champions League and be in 
Europe for now and let's see what happens with a move to Real Madrid. Uh, I don't see him coming to the Premier League, uh, largely because I don't know who can afford his salary or a transfer fee. If it was a loan, you still need to pay the salary and probably a loan fee. People have said maybe Manchester City the exception, but we're not aware of them being in for him. So I still think the most likely outcome is Real Madrid in some way, shape or form before that window shuts. Um, I don't envisage him sitting on the bench at PSG for an entire campaign. Um, there's a interest from the likes of Barcelona. Everyone would be interested in Mbappe, but Real Madrid seems to be the apple of his eye and, and vice versa. Um, in terms of... Saudi not going away absolutely not they've got grand ambitions huge finance behind them and this vision 2030 from the top of the nation down that's looking at you know diversifying its revenues um, as as their natural resources eventually will come towards an end so you know they're dipping into football cricket uh, sorry football golf boxing tennis uh, entertainment um music concerts everything it's a rapidly expanding project across the board full respect to the fact that they had a league for many years it's not like we should be turning our nose up at that they uh, had have great fan bases in terms of number and, and noise and we saw that at the world cup they beat argentina they traveled en masse um there's been a bit of a snobbery around saudi football that that is pretty inaccurate i think um but now this is being jet propelled the league they brought Mike Emanalo in as uh, director of football I'm sure he'll build out a technical team of coaches and educators and uh, be big on stats and data and, and medical side of things um, that, they'll improve the quality of their training grounds and, and stadiums and pitches and um, you know it feels like a bit of an embryonic stage when you see some of the training clips of Jordan Henderson uh, with his new teammates doing their rondos that, that didn't seem to go too well from the from the bits that I saw but that will only get better with the, these quality of players and it doesn't surprise me that they would target the likes of uh, De Bruyne he's getting to an age where he might be considering his future there'll be a contract question mark at Manchester City Mohamed Salah well you know they've been uh, the Saudi Pro League has been targeting a lot of Muslim players and and so it's a surprise that there maybe haven't been more links to Salah um, so far that would be something that would need to be considered by all parties if it became a question Um, uh, another question is what's going to go on with the the dates of the transfer window I think Jurgen Klopp pointed to that uh, fee, uh, is there going to be a request made by the European leagues to FIFA to close it earlier? It's not going to happen in this window, but in, in future years, because you can see this scenario where the, the European window shut and then Saudi goes into overdrive to, to you know, tempt players away and it could cause real disruption for squads. And that word is key, disruption. They are the great disruptors of world football right now. It's a fascinating story. There are concerns on LGBTQI+. Uh, issues and and um, their stance on homosexuality and women's rights and and human rights um, and the Jamal Khashoggi situation that that uh, was so well documented. Um, but in terms of the league itself uh, and the football there, um, it seems like they see themselves as being here to stay in a way that China wasn't uh, trying to rival the MLS, better time zone um, uh, and. Uh, sort of money and ambition beyond anyone's uh, comprehension. So um, being talked about as a threat, but when I interviewed David Beckham in uh, Miami recently, 
He talked about it being healthy competition and a good thing. We talk about football being a sport for all and for leagues to develop around the world and to attract talent. Yeah, it's largely been older talent with the exception of like a Ruben Neves or a Jota from Celtic and and a few others. Um, But that may mature over time. They may build out the youth systems there as well. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. I'm not so sure what their stance would be on women's football and maybe that should be scrutinised. But here to stay and um, we better get used to it. Well, David, it's absolutely fascinating. And I bet if the Saudis start trying to sign top journalists, (laughs) you'll be the first one they come knocking on the door for. If only we could have signed him all those years ago. I don't know if you can hear me dropping my phone there. But, David, thank you so much for coming here at Wembley. Thanks for having me. Good luck soon. Hopefully we'll catch up with you later in the season. Definitely. Let's have a handshake. (laughs) (laughs) Done deal. Done deal. At last.